As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I have a, let's call it a available free agent board with veterans that would have be available to come in and help. And no, we stuck with our plan and we, we let these young guys play and get valuable experience. And, you know, at the end of the day, uh, we did lay a good foundation. Welcome into one of these years, our Detroit Lions podcast. I'm Chris Burke, joined by Nick Baumgartner, and uh, we made it. We made it, Nick. We did. <laughs> we did. <laughs> extra week and all. Yeah. How about that? This was I, a, this was, I only kind of made it. <laughs> well, I, I would say I made it because, like, I think we told ourselves... To, uh, before the beginning of this year, that this wasn't going to be the year. So, <laughs> so right, like, right. So, with that in mind, I think this was a much more digestible year than it probably could have been. But I think we made it. Yeah, you did, uh, Chris. You made it in spirit, of course. I, uh, yeah, I had a little uh, little COVID situation <laughs> yeah. pop up at the house here, so I didn't get to go to the last game. I missed the. I had to watch the uh, Dan Campbell and uh, Brad Holmes post game or postseason. Press conferences on, well, on hey, YouTube. Well, hey, I saved your like chair and I gave you the tall chair for the last game. By the way, you had the one that wouldn't <laughs> oh, bend down. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. Yeah, we had yeah. Uh, some one of those home games. We ended up with a chair that was higher than the yeah, the, the press table, like, so you couldn't down, get right, your yeah. legs under it. <laughs> but the, anyway, the challenges, we did make it. The challenges of the Ford Field press box. Right. Uh, yeah. So you know, uh, it, it's weird because, and this has come up a bunch of times over the second half of the season, but. This was a three thirteen and one team, mm-hmm. and I think in the last mailbag I mentioned that it reminded me a little bit of there. Are, there are different stages of the rebuild, but it reminded me a little bit of how the Tigers felt this year because people were at the end of that season came and people were like, "Oh man, I was having so much fun watching yeah. that team, <laughs> right? Sure. Even though they yeah. weren't that good, I had a right. lot of fun, and it Fuck felt like that right. yeah. for the Lions, especially the second. And once they started winning, they went three and three uh, down the stretch. Had some fun performances, and I think they to to get to that point with that record where you're like, well, I'd like to see a lot more of these guys. I think yes. speaks to the effort level that they put in. Now, I don't know what we said at the very beginning of the year, but like I think when we went all the way back, if we would go all the way back and look and you know go back to podcasts in January or February, or even maybe you know in August and July, and talk about when you know when we would get into like what do you, what are they looking for from the season? The biggest you know thirty thousand foot question, and our answer was always the same. It was you know get yourself to the end of the year with improvement in all areas and like all these random areas. Like get yourself to the end of the year and tell yourself that Sewell is a better player than he was when the year started. Right, like all these guys, and when you looked at it at the end of the year. That happened. I think that happened far more than it didn't. There were some cases, of course, due to injury, I think, that it didn't. But, Chris, were there any cases this year where we looked at a guy and said, my God, he was a he was a massive disappointment in terms of his play, and he played 17 games? No, no, I don't think that happened. I think everybody that made it through got a little bit better. Maybe not as much as you'd like, but everybody that made it through, I think, got a little better, and I think... Ultimately, I think that's what you wanted this year, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, we talked about like I think they would have liked to get more, and he Holmes even kind of touched sure, on it. Somebody more, asked yeah. him about it, like from Derek Barnes or yeah. from Levi Onzerike, like yeah. some of those guys. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I think all things considered, yeah, it's hard to really pull out anyone. Like you said, I don't know that there were that many guys where you're like that. He was really terrible. Like, yeah, Jamie never, Collins sort of started yeah. the year like that and they got yeah, rid they of him right ass. away. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, I think there were some cases where you would have liked to see a little bit more of a jump, I guess, at some point. But even looking back on some of the guys that, you know, even for the first half of the year, we were mm-hmm. talking like, oh, this isn't coming along the way you want. Like right. Austin Bryant wound up with four yeah, and a half a sacks nice and played pretty well down the right. stretch. And Julian Okora had five sacks. And Harris. Um, Harris. Yeah. I mean, Harris. No bigger example. We've been Charles talking Harris. about him being a problem for a terrible three camp. years. Right. Right. Uh, and you got something out of him. So, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think yeah. they have reason. Between the development they got, between how these players responded to the coaching staff, having some money to work with, they got just about everything they wanted out of this year. And you're not—I don't know that you're going to go, you know, ten and seven next year, but you will go into August feeling like this team is capable of competing for most yeah. of the season. Like I don't know if they're a playoff team, but if Holmes right. can do anything yeah. this off season. They should be able to hang in there a lot longer than they did this year. I mean, exactly. Because I think that the, when, when, we, when we started the year and you look back and you thought to yourself, they're going to have the worst roster in, in the NFL. That's what we thought, you know, when the year started. And in those early months of, you know, talking to Campbell and he would say, you know, like I know when you spoke with him the first time when you guys sat down or whatever, whatever it was, and he talked about the, the we're going to have to rely on undrafted guys, like way yeah. more than you guys probably think. We're <laughs> right, yeah. Right, like it's going to be a strain and we're going to have to do it. And like all of that stuff, you know, it added up in the end to a motivated group in the way that I think we thought was possible, but was going to really have to take a dedication from Holmes and Campbell to, that I didn't know if we thought, Right was going to actually happen. Were they going to see it all the way through? Right, and I think that's what Holmes was like so proud of when he talked to us yesterday. Was that they did they they had all these opportunities this year. We saw them all in camp. You know, we were out at camp for like two days when we were like, they're probably going to keep this Jerry Jacobs, who I don't even know if he can play, but like they love the guy, so they're probably going to keep him over somebody who's probably better than him, and they're just going to go with this, and they're going to do this all year, and it's going to be hard. But if you can get to the end of the year with all these little pockets of like, oh, well, you know, we were in a lot of these games and we actually won a couple and we did have the worst roster in the league, but we were not the worst team in the league. We're not ending the year feeling like we're a disaster. We're ending the year feeling like we're on our way up. And if you look at all the teams that are in that bottom third along with the Lions, they're either firing their coach right now or like completely lost. And the Lions are in the exception, I think, in that weird tier that you don't want to be in, but... Right. For the first time in a long time, it does feel like they're climbing up towards something instead of just like either free falling or stand, you know, staying wherever they're at and just kind of staying there. Yeah, I, I mean, you're right. I I like that you brought up that Campbell quote because it was like when he got hired in late January, yeah, like and the then he t- time, yeah. I talked to him, I think in February, um, mm-hmm. or early February, and yeah, that was at the t- he said like. You know, why Why do you think I'm putting together this coaching staff the way I am? Because right, yeah. we know, like, we might have three rookie free agents starting for us. And, yeah, I was like, oh, that's not great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. And then we got into the year. Because at the time, I think it it was before free agency. It was before the draft. So, I, mm-hmm. I, I think we were all thinking, well, they can find someone to plug in here. They can find someone to plug in here. And they tried to do that a little bit. But that was that was really the first time where I was like, okay, they are – they're gonna strip this all the way down to the yeah. <laughs> to the foundation, and yep. like this isn't just a few tweaks to get through at nine and eight. To like, the they studs. are yep. they are pulling everything apart here, yep. um, and so it, it sort of jumped out then. And yeah, you're right; it carried through. Now we're eleven months later, and you see that they had that that was in place, and that's I think that that's what you wrote coming out of the Holmes press conference. You know that mm-hmm. they stuck to this plan and as you go back now to when I talked to Campbell in February and when Holmes did his first pressers and then yeah. when I talked to Holmes in uh June or whatever it was and now all these this thread kind of goes through the whole year it wasn't like they got caught off guard at any point even as these injuries started to mount they didn't like oh we we didn't prepare for this at all yeah they had someone that they were 
willing to throw out there and just see what he could do. And I exactly. tweeted, I thought that was the most interesting part for me of what Holmes said is that they had, as every GM does, you know, the list of guys at every position, veterans mm-hmm. that you could plug in. And they're like cornerback, some of those positions you can go find. I mean, they had Nikel Roby Coleman on their roster. There's On the practice squad. <laughs> you can go find guys <laughs> right. at cornerback who have been in the league for eight years and can start for you on two days notice. Mm-hmm. And they didn't want to do that. They wanted to stick with these young guys. And now I think it should pay off, right? I mean, yeah, that's the goal yeah. is that when you come back in April, you don't have 50 guys who are swimming in it. You have no. a bunch of players with experience. And you have 50 guys who are ready to run, run through a wall for your coaches right now. Like, that's what I think the plan was. And it's so impressive to me that they stuck to it because I think, Chris, like, we could see – Especially, we, you know, we don't talk to Holmes as much, but I think we could see from Campbell in the early months and weeks of the season how hard it was because they knew all the things that you just said. Like, we can go find a couple of corners that would fix some of these problems right now, but, like, what would that do? What would that do for us, really? You know, we get an inch closer in a game that really isn't going to matter in the long run with a guy that's not going to be here, but maybe we find out something about a Jerry Jacobs you know, in a situation where he maybe costs us a game one week and then six weeks later looks like a guy who we're going to keep. Like that, but the strain, I think, that they went through together uh, when they were winless and when everybody was like, oh my God, they might not win a game. Like to not yeah, hit the right. panic button then. Yeah. To me, like that, you know, that... he Holmes spoke like a more confident person yesterday I think, and I think Campbell has become a more confident speaking person as he's gone on because I think they, they both know that they survived a an incredibly difficult stretch of time there. And they did it exactly how they said they were going to do it. And, I, you know, it worked the way they thought it was going to work. And I think going forward, you see two guys that are completely confident in what they're doing. I don't know if it's going to work, but <laughs> right, they're completely, add that. Yeah. They are completely bought in to what they're doing, Campbell and Holmes, and completely tied together at the hip in this. Um, is what it looks like. That's what it seems like, right? At this point. So, you know, if it's if it's different, then they're doing a good job of selling otherwise. <laughs> but that's my read on it. Well, and I think that that is interesting too because this, the hiring process last year was, you know, they, I think the Lions had a much better process. I don't think there's any question than when yeah. they hired Patricia and just basically let Bob Quinn do right. whatever he wanted. Right. You know, they had, uh, they had a lot of people helping out Last year, Chris Spielman's still around. Um, you mm-hmm. know, I th- think that they were willing to admit where they had some faults. But what was interesting about it is that they didn't. You know, a lot of times you want your GM to make the coach hire, or at least be a big voice in who you're yeah. hiring as coach. And they pretty much did this at the same time. I mean, they right. hired Holmes and Campbell together. Like it's, I think they talked Holmes and Campbell were, maybe yeah. talked once or twice, but. Interviews it wasn't like they had, right, right. right. It wasn't like they had Holmes for a month and then they hired Campbell. They hired him together and said, "All right, we think this is we think these personalities are going to work together." Mm. But you really, I mean, you don't know. No, <laughs> you, that is something where that could have fallen apart pretty quickly, and we would have felt it right away. You know, Campbell refusing to play guys that Holmes brought in or something. You know, like you could have felt it, and I yeah. think that that's noteworthy that we're now. A year into this, and they're still very much on the same page with everything. And Holmes even mentioned too, you know, Campbell. When Campbell took over the play calling, he went to Holmes and said, mm-hmm. "I need to do this." And right. Holmes said, "Okay, it's your team. Do what you think you need to do." But he didn't. This wasn't just him Man, and Campbell yeah. pulling the plug on a, a bunch of stuff. This was collaborative, as they keep saying. It, everyone's going to have a voice in it if someone. You know, can disagree. Feel free to disagree with what we're doing, and I think it's it's noteworthy that they are a year into it and they're still right there with each other because this wasn't Quinn and Patricia where you mm-hmm. brought two friends in. It wasn't <laughs> you know well, where yes, Holmes yes. hired Campbell. This was the search committee picking two guys from very different spots in their careers and very different backgrounds, and thinking it was going to work. And so far, it looks like it's going to work. So I think that that. That's important, too, to, to be here where they're at and, and still feel pretty good about that relationship. Yeah, Campbell, like, I think the more we've learned about him throughout the year and everything else, like, I just don't know if there's another guy that understands a team 
environment or culture or whatever, like what it, what a good one is, like better than him. You're, I mean, there's some that probably understand it that in coaching as well as him. I'm just not. I don't think you're going to find one in in football right now that that knows what that means or looks like better than him. And that means that he understands that his ego cannot compete with Brad Holmes's ego. And I think Campbell's life in football probably helps him in some of those areas. And I think Holmes is like that too, just as a person, but I think it, it probably helps Holmes having Campbell be a guy who's not like that. Like you just said, Chris, like not a guy who's like, I'm not doing this. I'm not having an 0 17 record on my head, right? I'm not having this sluggish, whatever I'm calling the plays because I want to call the plays. Now that's not what happened as we've discovered. They, ch- they made a change there, I think, because Dan Campbell realized his quarterback wasn't jiving with the offensive coordinator, and right. he had no choice. They couldn't cut Jared Goff. They weren't going to dump him. <laughs> he had no right. choice but to make that work in the moment. And as much as he respected Anthony Lynn, you know, I think that, that you know, Holmes saying, you know, sharing that with us, like, I think it shows how much Campbell cares about all this. And I think that you're just not going to find a lot of guys who care about a team situation more than him. And that has shown all year, and it has been probably the theme of the season, and it will become the theme of their franchise. Like, you are not going to come here if you're not going to be, you know, completely and totally team first. You'll be out. We'll cut you on week one. We don't care. Like, that's that's kind of, and, you know, Holmes said that too. We, we've shown everyone who we are, and, you know, hopefully they all see that, and the people who get it will want to be here, and the people who don't won't, and that'll be that. And, I mean, hey, fair enough. <laughs> Right. I mean, easier said than done, but fair enough. So uh, what's your read on the Lynn situation now that we've sure. gotten to the end of it? I mean, I think we knew all along what more or less was going on there and sort of how it unfolded. But now we've got a better yeah. feel for it. That I mean, I think that Campbell pulled the plug on it during that bye week before they went back and played Pittsburgh. But it sounds like... It had been brewing for a while yeah, yeah, um, yeah. before that. And they tried to kind of power through it, and it just didn't work. Uh, so on the one hand, you've got sort of the, the positives of this. Campbell you know, realized it wasn't working. He made the change. Things got better after it. The staff still stayed together. Anthony, credit to Anthony Lynn for mm-hmm. handling it like a total pro. He came out during every coordinator mm-hmm. window every week and answered questions. Um, never complained. I mean, he said that you know this wasn't the job. I got hired to do, but I'm here to help the team, whatever helps us win. And and yeah. he went and, you know, was run game coordinator or whatever. Um, all that, I think, is positive. The flip side of it is that Campbell's first offensive coordinator hire didn't, didn't get through half a season before yeah. they were like, this is terrible. So does that give you any concern over, I guess, the process of how they, they got there and sort of the challenges as they figure out what they need to do at that spot? It does it that gives the concern there is you know, I think in some ways it was not avoidable after you made the decision to bring Goff in. Because whoever your offensive coordinator was at that time from there, because it was so early, right? The Stafford trade with Goff and everything. I don't even know if Lynn would have been hired yet or if he had it, it just happened. I can't. Well, that's what, what I was gonna was. that was the other thing I was gonna throw. Um, I think Lynn got hired on like January twenty seventh or something, and then yeah. the Stafford trade was like Look, the next day, like two I mean, or three days like, later. Like, so, so I don't right. know if they told yeah. Anthony Lynn that Jared Goff right. was going to be his exactly, quarterback. exactly. So I mean, and I don't think that he, no, no, and I don't, I don't know if he'd have taken the job. Like to be quite honest, because it doesn't fit. It does not fit. I mean, it doesn't fit the style of offense. I don't think that you know that Lynn runs. And I will also say this: Anthony Lynn's a really good football coach, very good football coach that is well respected all all over the place across the league, including by Dan Campbell. Um, and I think what happened here is a lot of stuff that was outside of people's control because like Goff is, was a quarterback who came into this season with confidence in the trash can. He had none. It was completely shattered as we all saw. Anthony Lynn is a really good football coach who's old school and is not from the school of, I'm going to baby this guy along. I mean, I don't know what else to say. Like, I don't think that that's how he approached it. I think he was very consistent with all of his players, including like, we would see, you know, how many times we see Lynn getting Swift's ass, you know, when they were out there in camp, like, you know, you're not, I'm not going to tell you, you know, I know that they all think you're whatever, but if you're going to have, you know, I'm going to let you have it. I mean, that's how he coaches. And I don't think Goff was responding to that necessarily as well as maybe Campbell 
it made me hoped. And I think when you heard Anthony Lynn midseason say Dan wanted to talk to his quarterback, I think that's what that was. It was, I need to be the person who gauges where Jared's head is at here, you know, in game, because you and him are not jiving. And I think that's what it was. And I think Lynn respected that. And I think Campbell, to me, that's not cause for concern. To me, that's a sign of a coach who knows what he's doing and is confident in himself, whether it works or it doesn't. And he didn't make that decision, I don't think, because he wanted to call plays. He made it because I think he saw his quarterback drowning and needed to find anything he could think of to change that in the moment. And as it proved out, right, it worked. I mean, he was better in the second half of the season than he was in the first. And I think that's that's probably part of it. Yeah, I mean, it's a little unfortunate for Anthony Lynn because like you said, I do think he's a really good football coach. I think, you know, the stuff with the Chargers basically fell apart because he wasn't a great game man like yeah, and their manager owners, like they, and their owner's an idiot right that's not um right. but i think he would he initially was going to take this year off and then mm-hmm. try to get a head coaching job or whatever again and now you know i don't know how this i don't know if this gets held against him or whatever or if he tries to go it back shouldn't. to be a head coach somewhere or, yeah, or what shouldn't. and we've talked before i think he'd be really good if he ever wanted to go to college and just oh, sort man. of yeah like run the show there he'd be a great recruiter I can but see why he wouldn't want to though <laughs> like he'd have yeah, to put up well, with some right. bullshit <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I mean, unfortunate for him, but I do think that this is also, you know, we're trying to figure out all this in terms of what the offensive coordinator situation is going to be. Um, and Campbell continues to talk very highly of Ben Johnson. He said in his Campbell said in his uh, year end press conference, you know, I, I'm going to take a couple weeks to figure out if I want to keep calling plays, but I think I could be really good at it. uh, And I think I got better at it. And so Mm -hmm. some of the stuff he's saying still kind of points toward like Ben Johnson as his OC yeah. and Campbell calling plays and they just set it up like the Saints have with Peyton and mm-hmm. Pete Carmichael. But I don't know, has your has anything that's been said over the past couple of days by Campbell or Holmes or Goff, I guess, changed your thinking about how they're gonna approach that job for twenty twenty two? No, if anything it makes me think that Campbell is just now starting the process of thinking about what he wants to do. Maybe I'm wrong, but like that's my impression was that he's now his whole focus before was just let's get to the end of the year and make this all work for everybody. Let's, you know, make sure we show Lynn respect and do all we can to max him out while he's here. And then once we get done with that, I'll figure out what I want to do. But I, I mean, I think that, th- that that's what you just said. Like, I think that him deciding if he wants to go forward, you know, in a Sean Payton capacity, or if this truly was just a, I needed to fix this situation for Goff to get to the end of the year so we could move on as move forward as a team. Like if that's all it was, then I would think all things are on the table. But if he discovered himself, like Holmes was kind of saying, you know, like if Campbell discovered himself deep in there, like I, I can't, you know, I really need to be involved here, you know, like Peyton is, I guess, I, you know, and probably like Parcells was over the years, right? Like I think those are his kind of role models that he looks at as coaches. Um, I could definitely see him hiring someone who understands that, if nothing else. Someone who understands, hey, I'm hiring you to be my OC, but I'm going to be, like, all over this. And they'll be like, okay. You know, like, I could see it being maybe an older person, like you're saying, somebody who's there to maybe help him as a sounding board type. I said that in the Jason... That was the Jason Garrett thing we we talked about. People freaked out. And I was like, (laughs) the only way I could see that would be as if Dan brought someone like that in to be like, I want you to just be there to check me if I'm, if I get like out of bounds on something, right. Like that kind of thing. But otherwise I could see if he's confident, I could see him maybe, yeah, Ben Johnson and like Deuce, I could see him being like, you two are my guys, you know, Ben, you're the passing game, Deuce, you're the run game. And the three of us are going to put this thing together. Like I could see that being a thing for sure. I don't know how it's going to go though. I could also see him say, asking Joe Brady to come in. I don't know what he would do, (laughs) but I, my sense was, is that he was still in the early stages and wasn't really going to rush that because I don't know, man. Like, I don't know. What do you think? Because I don't know if you have to go one way or the other. You still don't know what your quarterback situation is long term. You haven't committed to that. I don't think you have to make any decision that locks you into a system. I think as long as you're still running the football and, you know, savvy with your run game, that's all you really need need to worry about right now. Well, he Campbell said that, you know, the big reason he wouldn't keep calling plays is because he's worried it would take him away from 
paying enough attention to everything yeah. else. You know, right. the defense, the special teams, individual players on the other side of the ball. Yeah, how guys are doing too. Like, uh, like yeah. And I think that that's certainly a concern, especially this is, you know, just going to be his second year as a head coach and he's mm-hmm. never done play calling before. So I yeah. think those are concerns. But I also think, it, it, I think it's important that you bring up Deuce and you bring up some of these guys on defense and Ben Johnson because, like, part of the whole reason – Deuce is on the staff and the role that he's in is to help navigate some of those spots where Campbell doesn't have the bandwidth to handle, you know, he's supposed to be, I mean, he's the assistant head coach. He's supposed to handle a lot of the same functions that Dan Campbell does. And then Mm -hmm. everyone sort of defers to Dan Campbell, you know, when they have to make important decisions. But I think that having that built in, it looks like, Deuce will be here for at least another year. It certainly looks like Ben Johnson's going to be here. We'll see about Aaron Glenn. But they have a bunch of guys who can handle their business if yeah. they need to and can yeah. help Campbell if he wants to spend a little more time on offense or if he wants to make himself the play caller. Deuce can take more on his plate yeah. and and do that. And I think that that's part of why they structured the staff like this too. So. I don't know. It's going to be really interesting. I've had a lot of people say to me that they need to bring in an experienced play caller, that you can't have someone kind of learning on the job with an NFL team. Yeah. But Well, here's what I would say to that. Like, Dom Capers is on the defensive staff, right? Is whatever the hell – what's his job? What's his title? I don't, I don't even know what it is. It's like guy, guy who walks around and <laughs> – yeah, right. Like, make sure that everything is he looks like, okay, right? Like, yeah. I think he's there for, for Glenn – and I think Glenn brought him in as his like guardrails guy. Like, hey, you're a fuck. You've been around forever. You're one of the best like around. This is my first time ever doing this. If I get sideways on something, tell me. Like, I think that's why he's there. And I think that senior defensive assistant. Yeah, I think he's like. Do- I think it's like Dorsey, like a like a yeah. He's like sort of yeah. like Dorsey with Holmes, but grandfather two- of the defense. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> so like that's that's kind of what I would think that you would look at. Like I put. I mentioned to you, and we put Daryl Dickey on the uh, candidate list there for the OC job um, because of his, you know, the role that he has with Jimbo Fisher at A&M. And I know that, you know, Campbell is still super close with everybody at A&M. And I know that he has a relationship with Fisher. And I think they talk a lot of football when they have spare time. I think they have common interests and that sort of thing. But like Daryl Dickey's setup with Fisher is that he's just his play caller. Like it is Jimbo Fisher's offense. It is struck, you know, he's the one who built it. You know, he's the one who basically during the week is, you know, the game plan is, I think it runs through him. But on game day, I think Daryl Dickey is just, he's the play caller within the offense. Like, that's his job. And I think he's done that for him before. And like you're saying, I think you could maybe see a weird hybrid situation, whatever works for him. And I think that was Holmes' biggest emphasis point. Dan needs to do whatever he need, he wants to do, whatever works for him. And so if that means finding an old guy who's just an expert play caller, who knows how to play call situations, you teach him what you want the offense to be, and he'll do it. I could definitely see him doing that, something like that, right? I don't know what that is, but you know, it, you'd look at it and say offensive coordinator, and you'd think, well, that guy has all this power, but in reality, it's like, well, no, he's just calling plays on game day because the coach has said, you do this while I worry about everything else, right? Because I trust you. So I, I could definitely see that happening somewhere along the way here. Maybe... They do the thing like we're talking about where they where Deuce and Ben Johnson are just the guys with Dan, but they also hire some old guy who comes in and is like Dan's, you know, Sherpa or whatever. <laughs> I don't know, the grandfather of the offense or whatever you want to call it. I could see that happening. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it'd be shocking to me at this point if Ben Johnson doesn't have a bigger role. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, Especially if Goff's here because Goff loves him. Right, yeah. and so to bump him up to even to passing game coordinator and then just go out and say to – offensive coordinator hopefuls all right so dan's gonna call the plays sometimes and we got ben johnson's gonna help yeah design the playbook do you want to come be coordinator i don't know how attractive that pitch is gonna be right though yeah but i also don't know if you want guys in here that are like you know hey come in here and make yourself look good and you'll you know like i think that they're still in the process of looking for guys that's like if you don't if that doesn't work for you we don't want you here we don't yeah, care. I we guess don't that's care. true. Yeah. I don't think that they need to be in a situation right now where they're competing for offensive court or any any anybody really because I mean like <laughs> they don't have anybody on the roster that's like super attractive. They don't have a quarterback yet, really. I mean, you know, like it's not exactly still a you know like oh man, come in here and drive this Rolls Royce we've built. <laughs> 
we've built. So, uh, you know, I don't think that's happening yet. But I think it could go a lot of different ways. I, I think I would almost be surprised if he completely outsourced it, right? Like, I think I'd be surprised at this point. I think what we're talking about with the more collaborative with Johnson and Deuce and him and yeah, right. some, somebody else maybe, you know. I think, you know, and maybe at Randall L too, I don't know. But I think that seems more... Something weird probably only makes sense here. <laughs> right? yeah. That's probably what I would say. <laughs> That's my guess. That'd be my guess at, uh, uh, as we enter the clubhouse here uh, on this conversation. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to go back through now and like just find yeah. like the random Jason Witten. former NFL. <laughs> so we put Jason Witten on the list, and now I'm like, well, maybe I'm I'll not, bring him in to be the tight ends coach. I mean, like, <laughs> I, I would never rule out the possibility that Campbell brings in someone like someone like Jason Witten to do a job that you don't think he's qualified for, but Dan thinks he's qualified for. Right, right. You know what yeah, I mean? 100%. Like that's 100%. I could definitely see him doing something like that. Because if he thinks the guy's qualified to do a job, he's going to hire him. And he doesn't give a shit what anybody else thinks, clearly. So, like, I think that's that's what I would guess is going to happen here. And I think that's probably why our heads went to where they did when we were thinking about the names on that list, including Jason Witten. Because when I saw it on there, I was like, oh, that's a good one. I wasn't like, that's insane. I was like, oh, that might actually. Yeah. It, was, so, yeah. it was like, yeah. do I put Jason Witten on here or do I put like John Kitna on here? Like, who's it going to be? That Who are we going to pick uh, from Dan Carter. Campbell's pet? Quincy, Quincy Carter. Carter would be a really good, uh, Quincy Carter probably would take it Quincy in Carter a second. Take five minutes. He'd probably tell you he'd do all the job too. Like Corey Schlesinger just like lurks around the Lions facility all the time anyway. Maybe you give him yep. a job. Uh, there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. It's gonna be real. It's gonna be interesting. I think it'll give us um, sort of a, a another window into just how mm-hmm. Campbell's approaching absolutely this staff and next season. Uh, I don't know. I would be fine if he wants to keep calling plays. I think it. I think. So I don't too. think you need to bring in Joe Brady or someone who's done it for you know five years, ten years. No. Like I think you can let him. I think we've seen you keep mentioning this because I feel like it keeps going over people's heads that he's just like he puts off this personality of you know, being like you know the the dude personality, yeah, right? And I think people they don't get it ignore that yeah. he is like this is not just a a gimmick. He is a really smart he's football mind. Football. He's obsessed with it. It's <laughs> all he talks about on offense. And so I think that if you yeah. had brought if you had hired him to be like if he had gone from the Saints and gone somewhere just to be an offensive coordinator and not a head coach, I think he would have been really good at it. I do too. And so, yeah, I I, I, I agree. Feel like he can do. I feel like he can do this if he can figure out all the other intricacies of of what he needs to do on a day to day basis. It's a great example of, and, and and we're not, you know, calling a shot on whether or not he's going to be whatever. But it's a great example of judging a book by its cover because if you talk to people who know him. They will tell you, like, Dan Campbell and Jimbo Fisher are, like, the same guy. They, If you talk to them about anything other than football or, like, hunting, they can't <laughs> right. carry a conversation, yeah. right? Like, how many times do we hear stuff like this? Like, they can't talk. They can't, like, function. And so, like, that's – he's obsessed with it. Like, all these guys – like, you talk to Dan – all of his old friends from back in the day, they talk to him now, and they're like, he's, like, an expert on offensive football. He made it his life. That's what – that's what he did. He took his – you know, the guys that lived with him were like, I always thought Dan would become, Dan's career path would be whatever he fell in love with the most, that's what he would do for his job. And that's what he did. And that was either going to be, you know, cattle ranching or coaching football. And it happened to be coaching football because that's what turns him on. And it, he's obsessed with it. I think that that's the thing that people, because they get so carried away with, the, and rightly so, you know, all the sound bites and everything else. And he's you know, he's crazy and all that stuff. I mean, you see him pacing and the coffee and everything else. But, like, he's obsessed with football. Like, he's a really smart football coach. I think that it's time for people to probably start accepting that as a possibility in their head more than they more than they were probably comfortable with. And it's not to say that we're sitting here saying that he's going to be the next Sean Payton. But I'm just saying that I think he has a chance. And I think, Chris, you would agree. Like, I think he has a chance to to show people, you know, as they go forward here that, He's got some pretty good chops. I think the Lions run game this year and all the stuff they built, like that St. Brown, like that trick play they ran, that the the one that um Kennedy hit. Yeah. I think I think that was Campbell. And it was just he said it was just that was just an action we built off of something that we already installed with St. Brown in the backfield. That's all it was. And I was like, that was one of the prettiest trick plays I've seen in like five years. I think that was him. 
And I'm like, and if guys aren't, if people aren't understanding that by now, yeah, I think it's probably time to start because I think he's a pretty clever guy with a lot of this stuff. And I think that showed up this year. I'm glad it did for him because I think that was Holmes's point, right? Like, because Anthony Lynn, I, I do think early in the year, some of the stuff we saw from him was good too. But I think that once we knew what Campbell was doing too, you're like, okay, well, I think that, you know, he was able to show us a little bit of uh, what he can do too. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Reminder to uh, head over, subscribe, rate, review the podcast. You can get it ad-free on the athletic.com app. I think our subscription deal right now is $3.99 a month, I want to say. I don't have any New York Times bundle subscription <laughs> details. <laughs> or any information. Who have yeah. asked. I know what you know. Um, uh, so you can get over, uh, get a subscription. You can get us ad-free on the app. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, all the places we've been all along. Uh, we appreciate everyone who uh, has been listening and giving us feedback and everything. The other topic here that we haven't really gotten into yet is that Aaron Glenn is mm-hmm. set to interview Thursday for the Broncos job. Uh, one of, they have 10 candidates at the moment that they have requested interviews with and several of them are involved in the playoffs this weekend so this is going to be you know at least another week before they start to to thin it down a little bit but uh glenn interviewing on thursday you know i tweeted out i listened went back george payton the gm Mm -hmm. in denver did a one-on-one with their you know in-house team videos up on their site uh and talked about the number one thing they need that you need to be successful as a coach in the NFL right now is to be is a, to be a leader, to be able yeah. to motivate guys, to uh, get them to show up and you know put in the work every week and 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 buy into exactly. everything and yeah, uh, that sounds yeah, a lot buddy, like a guy <laughs> who's going out there to interview for the job. So, do you think Aaron Glenn is a legitimate candidate there or you I mean I don't know where what's your read on where we're at with Aaron Glenn right now I think that he's a legitimate candidate for all the things you just said and I think you know you you, you layer that into George Payton knows Rick Spielman and obviously Rick knows Chris and Chris knows Aaron Glenn and I think that that's probably trickling somewhere in there and maybe he knows Aaron Glenn too I, I yeah I think he's a legitimate candidate but I also think that I think Aaron Glenn's in a situation where he doesn't have to take anything and I you know Maybe it's something where they look at him and they say, let's get you an interview because it's be- I think it's going to be his first head coaching interview. I don't know if he's had one before. I think he did one last did one year with, uh, I'll look it up. While you're so, <laughs> so it's still early in the process. One of, you know, so it's another one where, Hey, you know, it's, it's good for you to see all this, but I think this might be, if he had one last year, I would say that this would be maybe Aaron's first, like, you should take it serious. Like you should go in there, not and not that you didn't take the first one serious, but you should go in there, Jets. really fully, like you know, ready. Jets, okay. Yeah, Jets like, was the one last year. Yeah, like really fully in your head. Like, can I can I put myself in this job? And I think you look at the Denver job, and it's like they don't have a quarterbacks right now. That's not ideal. There's a lot about that job that's not ideal. So you know, he's he's invested here. He said all the things he said what a couple weeks ago about you know wanting to be known as one of the best defensive coordinators that ever coached here in Detroit, how much that means to him. And look, like he and Dan Campbell are tight. Like, I think that that's something that we don't talk about enough. They're, they're, I think they're very close. And so worst case scenario, if he doesn't like everything in Denver, he's just going to come back here and keep doing what he's doing with Campbell. I think that's how he probably looks at this, but you know, I wouldn't just shove it off as nothing. Right. I mean, I would ask you the same thing. Like what's your sort of read on it? I don't think it's nothing. Cause I think that, 
George Payton, he's, I mean, I think that's a pretty sincere, you know, want in a, in a, in a head coach. And I, I think we would agree that Aaron Glenn absolutely is that guy. I don't know if he's ready to do everything yet. I don't know if he would think that he's ready to do everything yet. But, you know, like Holmes says, you can only be on the driving range for so long, right? So, I mean, I don't know. What do you think about this whole thing? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's an interesting spot. I mean, I think George Payton can be a really good general manager in this league. He was with yeah. the Vikings for a long time. Um, they also have, you know, I think John Elway's tried to take his hands off things more. But yeah, John Elway's over off, there. But, the right, team is being <laughs> sold. Like, it's supposed to be sold this offseason, too. You mentioned the quarterback thing. So, there's a lot of... Mm-hmm. I don't know that it's an ideal situation to go into as a first-time head coach. Good I mean, franchise, it sounds though, like right? there's a lot of challenges. Good franchise. Yeah. I think working to the Lions' benefit and maybe to Glenn's detriment here, you know, Peyton uh, talked in that interview about he um, doesn't necessarily need a great play caller, but if someone's really good on offense or even on defense, you know, that would be a bonus. I think, you know, yeah. we've seen time and again in the NFL here that when one thing doesn't work out, teams usually go the other way, right? Right, And so Vic Fangio was a longtime defensive coordinator. It didn't work out. The Broncos' offense was bad. They need a new quarterback. So you're sort of thinking we need to get better. We need someone in here who can lead this offense and can help us if we draft a quarterback or whatever. And that's – maybe that is Aaron Glenn, but that's certainly not where his specialty, his area of expertise lies at this moment. You know, he's a guy that's going to help your defense. So I think that that probably works the Lions' benefit. I would also say this. He's not a career climber, Aaron Glenn. You should not think about Aaron Glenn in the way that we think about a lot of other coordinator coach types, you know, like I think he wants to be a head coach, of course, because he wants to be the best at what he does. But like, it's a genuine thing, the relationship building and the trust and all the stuff that we saw out there that he puts with these guys. Like that's what makes him a great coach, I think. And he knows that. And I think that his bond with players uh, and I think the growth process that he's involved in right now with the, with the guys on this team will be a factor for him. But I would also say that the Lions, uh, for their part, have an opportunity here to show Aaron Glenn how much they value him. And I think that includes taking whatever input he had on defensive draft picks last year and ramping it up by quite a bit. Um, like Stuff like that, you know? I think that those are conversations, too, that probably should come of this that are good and healthy. Um, and, you know, we'll see how everybody responds to it all. But I think if you're the Lions, this is not a, this is not necessarily a bad thing at all. This is probably a really good thing because he is a good coach. They hit one there. Like, I think we can say that now after a year. And I don't care if like he had games where they gave up 50 or whatever, like he got guys to believe he got guys better all year and he gave quarterbacks problems all year too, you know? So I think they got a good one there. And, you know, that's a guy that in the past, Lions have had good coaches here before, right? And they don't show them how much they mean to the franchise. I think this is an opportunity, all things considered, and we'll see how it goes for the Lions to do exactly that. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because it's something we've talked about before is that, you know, as you head into this offseason, again, to go back to this idea of collaboration and everything, if Aaron Glenn thinks Tracy Walker needs to be a centerpiece right. of his defense moving forward. That him. should matter a lot to Brad yeah. Holmes. And same thing with, you know, like if he thinks like if Alex Anzalone was a guy that he was pushing for last year and thinks did a night he thinks did a nice job for him this year, mm-hmm. that probably should hold some weight for Brad Holmes. So right. I, I think that it is part of this here is just what are you going to let Aaron Glenn kind of dictate for his defense, especially if Dan Campbell's going to put himself more on the offense. Is this right. going to be Dan can't, is this going to be Such Aaron Glenn's defense through and through? And I think that they, I mean, this is a chance to sort of give him that leeway. I would also mention that the senior bowl this year, which the Lions are coaching has set this up so that the head coaches have to Ugh. basically <laughs> promote guys yeah. from their own staff to run. <laughs> like the head coaches are supposed to be this the sort of advisors. <laughs> so Campbell has to pick a head coach for the week. So I, I, I don't know. I'm curious to see if that's, that's going to be, be Deuce or Aaron Glenn, <laughs> frankly. So it'll uh, be Glenn, and then Deuce will be the OC. Aubrey Pleasant will be the DC, well, and they will have the most intense senior bowl practices <laughs> you have ever seen. All of them will be mic'd up. I think this is going to be like a dream come true for the senior bowl people. Because Robert Sully is the same. Like, it's the, it's the same on the other side with the Jets staff, right? Like, 
Yeah, this should be wild. It's going to be really good. The Senior Bowl is going to be really good, and I, I, I probably better than the last time the yeah. Lions uh, yeah. staff went down there. <laughs> probably uh, so. Which I know people like the coaches and scouts who were there were get, got frustrated every yeah. day because yeah. the Lions ran like special like an hour and forty five minute practices, and they did at least. 45 to 50 minutes of special teams and everything. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, all right, can what we just see doing? <laughs> some one-on-one matchups here, please? Let a quarterback throw a pass. God, uh, Patricia, Jesus Christ. This will not be that. <laughs> no. Um, no. Although I wonder, Matt, Matty P might be down there. With the yeah, Beatles he'll be down there rest, real uh, mad. I'm not <laughs> yeah. with everyone. Um, I don't think he's going to be having fun, Chris. <laughs> Uh, I lost my train of thought now, but oh I mean, the God, Aaron I Glenn. Didn't even think about that. Yeah, good point. Yeah, <laughs> go ahead. Uh, I do think Aaron Glenn is a legit candidate in Denver. We haven't really heard his name come up elsewhere yet. I still. I think he could get an interview in Houston. I, I, yeah, I could see that. Yep, for sure. I think those are probably the two that mm-hmm. you circle and wonder. And Houston would be interesting. I yes, uh, yes, for a lot Houston of reasons. Would be Houston would interesting. Yeah, <laughs> maybe better. Than yeah. Denver, frankly. Yeah, I mean, look, and that's the thing I would say. Like, if he goes into an interview with a team that has a pretty good situation that he likes, like, if, like, that's what, that's why I'm glad, like, you said last year he had the one with the Jets. Like, he wasn't taking that job, right? Like, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure he went into it, took it serious, but like, come on. He knew he wasn't taking it. Like, that wasn't going to happen. This is different, right? I think this is a year, I think you would take it a little more serious, whatever that is for you. And you're, you know, we all know that in your own personal professional development as, as someone like the more you the more confidence you get in yourself I think the more serious you take on the possibility of taking on a role that maybe you once thought wasn't something you could handle well maybe now I can handle it and I think that's probably how he'll look at these this year if I had to take a guess just on he hasn't said anything to us of course I mean anything he says out there in public for the most part is what he's thinking he didn't hold much back I don't <laughs> I don't think so we'll see but yeah good for him I mean yeah. Cool to see him get one right away because we talked about that, right? Like, was he going to get an interview, you know, despite the fact that the team was three wins and the defense statistically wasn't good? Um, but is he going to get one because of what people saw and how they played this year? And, yeah, I think he's going to get a couple because of what people saw, how they played this year, and I think he earned them. I mentioned kind of taking more of his input on free agents. I, Holmes spoke a little bit about the free agents. Um about uh, Tracy Walker and Charles mm-hmm. Harris, he sort of touched on Trey Flowers in a way that made me think he's going to cut Trey right. Flowers yeah, pretty right. soon, yeah. Probably so. uh, but appreciates his efforts. Um, anything else that jumped out from you on any of those guys, I guess, or on anything else from Holmes's press conference on uh, Yeah, uh, Walker definitely sounds like they're ready to, unless that, unless that gets crazy or something, but like we were talking about before we were recording, like, it's hard to guess on that market. Like, what what were you guessing at the end of the day on Walker? Like, what did you say? If, if you I mean, I, it? I, I, it's it's so it's hard. hard. He's such an unusual yeah. case because that, like, <laughs> he's had a ton of tackles. He's played a ton of games. That pick on Sunday was his first in two years. Right. And so he he's kind of tough yeah. to, like, right. figure out where he fits. But, like, uh, John Johnson, who was a guy I think we talked yeah, about he, right. being a possibility for the Lions last year, got, like, three... I don't want to say the wrong number now, but it was he in the thirties. Three years at eleven point two five million and twenty million guaranteed. Right. That maybe is what Walker would ask for and say that's where the market is. He was a good player. He had hundred tackles. You know, like that's where the market mm-hmm. is. And I would guess the Lions would be like eight or nine. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And, I think, and, and you g- know, give him that twenty million guaranteed. Give him four years and yeah, thirty six. Thirty six. I don't know. I, that I think that's, that's like top fifteen money at safety. And Which I think that's fine. And I, and I don't, and, and to your point, like the conservative person in you would say, well, I don't know if he's worth eight. I don't know if he's that good, but I think that you, what you do is you say, we think he's that good. I think you're that good, Tracy. And I also think like, you know, you're, you're a huge part of this like operation, just not just because of what you're here, you know, what you do on the field, but like guys look up to you, guys trust you. Like they listen to you, you're a captain, you're a leader, all these things. That to us is worth whatever extra couple million bucks. Like I think that's what that's what you do. And if you if you have to pay him eight and a half or nine, then that's what you do. And I think 
you can't go crazy, like Holmes said. Yes, he did say that. You know, they're going to have more money this year, but it's not going to be something where you can go insane. But, like, all indications we've gotten from Tracy Walker over the last couple of years is that, you know, if you if you show him that you care about him, he's going to do everything that he can for you. And I think that Dan Campbell and Aaron Glenn have showed him that they care about him a lot. And I think I think he probably wants to be here. But, you know, like you said, it's it's not going to be for a discount for free. Right, yeah. But, that, you know, I mean, you gotta yeah. you got to make it work. But it's <laughs> I think he's ready to, to make it work, too, I guess. Maybe more than some others would be. The if, hometown discount know. thing doesn't exist no, that no, often, no. really. <laughs> but no. I think, I mean, Walker spoke uh, whenever the player, Monday or whatever. Um, and I think he brought up something, you know, he obviously, you know, you want to get to free agency if you're a player when you have a chance to really cash in. And he's uh, 26, he'll 26. be 27 this offseason. He had 108 tackles this year, uh, 103 a couple years ago. He started uh, 15 games this year like he's hitting it at a pretty good spot but he also mentioned uh you know I don't like I don't want to go somewhere where I hate the coaches and I don't like my teammates right. and then I just go there for the money and I'm miserable because yeah. I love these coaches and I love these teammates and so mm-hmm. you, like if you're his agent was probably like ah stop stop talking, talking. yeah <laughs> but right you know that's the type of thing like when we talk about hometown discount like that's something that does come into play if you can make if you make a competitive offer if you're not way off what <laughs> right, he's going to yeah. get on the market like if you're close and you give him the guaranteed money that he's looking for and like all these things sort of line up and he looks at it and says well do i want an extra million to go yeah. play for the wh- whoever it is the you jets know, <laughs> go play for the jets <laughs> the jaguars uh, yeah, right. or do i want to stay here and be a captain on this defense and like i know what this place is going to be and what it is and yeah. i think that that it sounds like that's going to count on both sides, and I think that that's good because, yeah, I mean, he, he's cl- – I, I don't know that he's – like, I, we we talked about Kyle Hamilton as a draft pick. Like, yeah. They still need a safety, yeah. like a really good that'd safety. That would be a hell of a pairing, yeah, right? <laughs> uh, but I think Tracy Walker's proven that he is a really good – like, he's a good NFL safety now, and he's a very important piece of this locker room. I mean, Goff – they put up the uh, you know in the locker room after the video or video after week eighteen and and uh, Campbell told the players to break it down after mm-hmm. his speech and Goff pointed to Walker and had Walker come in and lead everyone like he's a guy that they yep. respect through and through so he's a football player like that's the distinction that you give guys like that right like at this point and I think he's proved that I think he's earned that that's the thing that Matt Patricia's staff questioned with Tracy Walker every day that he was here. Wow. Do you love it enough? All this <laughs> shit. Yeah, he does. I mean, and that's the situation that I think he proved because it's true for him. I think that, you know, we talked to so many guys over the years, football players, you see so many different guys and types of guys and alphas and guys that aren't alphas and guys that love the game and guys that say they love the game, but really hate it. And guys that hate it and are just there for the money. And it's obvious. Like, I think some guys, like, it takes them a while to figure out who they are. And I think Tracy Walker has sort of discovered here, along with Dan Campbell, that he's a lot like Dan Campbell. I think he just really loves football and loves being around a team like this. Like a team that really likes each other. And some guys, that's not really a big thing. It doesn't matter. And it's fine. And some guys, I think that's a huge, huge deal. And I think for him, it's a huge, huge deal. And I think he's probably ready more now to admit that to himself than he maybe was two or three years ago because he's seen both sides of it, right? And yeah, this isn't a Kenny Galladay situation, I would say. I think Tracy Walker's wants to be here. I think that's a genuine want. I, I think I'm ready to believe that. What about Harris? Because uh, he is Charles Harris. Charles Harris, This yeah. is a, sort of the other thing here. Like, Tracy Walker, by the way, before we get off it, like I can't. Quandre Diggs got hurt mm. in week 18. And every Mm-mm-mm. story coming out of there about how it has been about like his. He had several teammates stay with him. I know. To get surgery. The entire <laughs> league what, was like, my what God, is, I hope you're okay. What a leader he is, all this. And part of the reason he is not here anymore is because. The, the only reason Lions were worried he was going to be a bad influence yeah, on Tracy Walker. Walker. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so I I don't know how you score that one at home that Tracy Walker's emerged as a leader now. But uh, yeah, yeah. anyway, um, so Charles Harris is sort of in this other camp where the Lions signed a bunch of these guys on these one year deals, brought them in short term or just like, give us whatever you got. We'll see how it goes. And now you look at you've got Harris, you've got 
uh, Josh Reynolds, Anzalone, Khalif Raymond, sort of, um, I guess you kind of put Jalen Reeves Maven in that category. He was a one-year deal, you know, obviously had been here, but not for this staff. So do you think with Charles Harris that the fact that they gave him an opportunity Mm-hmm. helps or is he just going to be like look i got i had i led <laughs> yeah. the team in sacks whoever's going to give me the most money is where i'm going i think that i think that the opportunity is going to help holmes like holmes did say yesterday that mentally harris is in such a better place than what than where he was um you know prior to and i assume that that means last year i i think those guys probably have a relationship is my guess i mean holmes wasn't he a scout in atlanta and didn't charles harris play in atlanta i don't know but I mean, he was one of the first guys they signed. Like, I think that my guess on Harris, without having more, you know, we know more about Tracy Walker just because we've been around him longer. But like, my guess is 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 that he appreciates the opportunity and all of that stuff that they gave him because, yeah, he was a high draft pick that looked like he was about to fizzle out and everyone had given up on him. And that's, you know, he was the guy that we talked about as like the example, Tyrell Williams too. Like, you know, it didn't work out for him, but like you can come here and prove everybody wrong. Everybody that thought you were a bum and a bust and whatever else, like you can come here, we'll give you the snaps to prove everybody wrong. So I do think that he probably, right, because he wouldn't be here if he didn't think like this. I do think he probably is going to, maybe listen to them more, but I don't think he's in a situation either where he's going to, he shouldn't give any discounts to anybody because if they draft, no, if right. they draft Kayvon Thibodeau or Aiden Hutchinson and he's sitting there, you know, I, I, <laughs> right. And right? you get no so, Cora back. And right. he, yeah. I mean, I think right. Charles Harris should take as much money as he can possibly get. <laughs> like that's what I would say. Yeah. And if he moves on, then okay for him. And if he's here, I think they'd love to have him back, but I don't think they're going to be heartbroken if they can't pay him, right? Like, that's my read on that. Yeah, I mean, he played for them on uh, less than $2 million this year, which was understandable. Yeah. He basically just needed somewhere who would give him a chance. Right. But, yeah, I mean, I, I and I don't know that he's up into, like, like Devon Kennard left and got $20 million over three years, and I don't think he's probably he's going to get that. So maybe you do get him back for yeah some sort of discount. Um, maybe you give him another year. Maybe. At, yeah. Double his price right. and say, "All right, do it again." Let's see what happens. Uh, I right, don't know, yeah. but uh, I, I think that that's sort of another interesting thing here is how many of these one-year one guys have played their way, I guess, into being more than one-year guys, and that's something we yeah we don't really know yet either. He's definitely one, but it's like he's the one. Harris is one where it's like he's probably the one where he could go somewhere else and probably get more than right. they give him. Everybody, yeah, like Jerry Jacobs, right, like. AJ Parker. I mean, it, I don't know. Well, and those guys are. I mean, those guys are still like those rookie. I guess they're still on deals right, yeah. are like multiple years. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think there's a bunch of those guys where. Yeah. Yeah, like Anzalone's not right. That's a good getting one. top ten wire no. money anywhere, and like Vitae. Williams, Vitae I, I don't know what Nick we, Williams' yeah. situation will be. So Vitae's the one we didn't ask about. I guess. Yeah. And you know, you mentioned Flowers as the. Uh, the answer he gave on flowers was, well, yeah, I mean, it was like, we love him. He's a great guy, but like, holy shit, look at that contract. Right? Like, like that, yeah, he's got a $24 million cap. Ain't happening, year. right? Like, I think that that's safe to, safe to bet. Vitae, that contract is not happening, right? Like, that's not going to continue. But I don't know. Like, I mean, like, Sewell and Vitae are like father and son out there for crying out loud. They love each other. And Vitae had a really good year, I think, for them. Like, yeah. Vitae was good. Like, Vitae, he was moving around. I watched him for a whole series or two series on Sunday, just because it was, you know, the last game, whatever. And he was moving around better in January at the end of this season than he was at any point in 2020 when we saw him out there. So, he's not a tackle. You're not paying him that money, but, like, he's a pretty good guard, and he fits everything that they need right now if he can stay healthy, so... I don't know. What do you think about him? What do you think? What, what's going to happen there? I mean, I would try to keep him before I do, I do anything else. And his cap it, right? number, yeah. his cap number is big next year. It's like eight, it's really almost nine million, but mm-hmm. it, it's it's less than it initially would have been because they gave him like a small signing bonus this year to free up some money. And um, I don't know. I mean, I think there's wiggle room there to sort of tweak it around. I was just looking like. Uh, our old buddy Graham Glasgow just took, I mean, essentially took a pay cut to mm-hmm. stay in Denver. Yeah. Um, but he was sort of in a similar situation. He was getting more 
think his cap hit next year was like 11 or 12 yeah. million. Um, and so they restructured and, and dropped that number way down and gave him a signing bonus. And I think he probably could there look at Vitae and do mm-hmm. something, something kind of similar. Like he doesn't have really anything. Most of what his cap number is next year is, um, is base salary. I mean, it's like six and a half or 7 million yeah. in base salary. So you could convert, you know, a huge chunk of that to signing bonus, bring down the number, and then, you know, you, you're going to have to take a hit at some point here. But mm-hmm. if you have to take a $5 million hit in two years, like, I don't know that that that's something fine. you'd lose sleep over. Well, I, and I think that, I think it's a similar situation as Graham's too, right? Like, didn't Graham have to miss a bunch of games or whatever for some reason? And yeah, then, yeah. like, maybe wasn't at his best and Vitale, obviously, last year. And this year you saw that he was closer to his best. And it's like, okay, well, maybe if you restructure it, it works for everybody. I don't know. Yeah. No, I mean, I think, I mean, you could convert, like, a, I don't want to get too much into the math, but if you yeah. take four and a half million of his base salary and stretch it out and convert it to a signing bonus, that drops your cap number next year by three million. Then he's a five and a half million dollar cap hit. That's, which is much better. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> That's perfectly it's, acceptable yeah. for a starting guard in this yeah. league. So, um, Maybe that's what they do. I mean, maybe you do something like that. Yeah, I like this. that. I like to explore it. I mean, that's that's definitely seems, and that's a great, I mean, my God. I mean, we would have, what a turnaround from a year yeah, ago. Right. You know, we, yeah. we were sitting there thinking about like any way you could get out of this disaster of a contract. You know, it's just like, it's a nightmare. I don't even care if he ends up good. He can't be on this, you know, and it's like, and now you look at it and, you know, I mean, he had a really good year. I think he did. I think he had a good year. I think he had a, a beneficial year for them. He did all the things they asked him to do. He's a good dude. Like, everybody likes him. So, yeah, I'd try to make that work, too, if I could. Well, uh, that um, – I, I I don't know what our schedule – I know our schedule is going to change a little bit here on the podcast. I just want to prepare mm-hmm. people for that. We go to a little bit lighter here as we uh, get into the offseason. But um, we both will be at the Senior Bowl – yeah, uh, as of right now. My God, what, <laughs> so, a, what a time of, uh, that will be for all. <laughs> that is when is that's the last first week of February, yeah, right? So, yeah. um, I would imagine we'll do something sure. uh, before that, and then probably right after that, or maybe down there. Or I don't know. <laughs> I don't even really know what the media setup is. It used to just be like show up and you could like walk yeah. around on the field during practices, and now I'm pretty sure I doubt that's happening. Yeah. Hide in a corner, <laughs> yeah, but. Um, <laughs> Should be a lot of fun to see the Lions staff uh, with that team. The roster should be out sometime this week, uh, mm-hmm. and we'll see who they have to coach. And especially... A lot of local guys, too, I think. Both Michigan and Michigan State have a bunch of guys, I think, um, yeah. there this year. Look and see what quarterbacks they get mm-hmm. on their roster, too, because that's usually something the Senior Bowl kind of lets you hand pick. So Right, which guys <laughs> you, do you want? Yeah, If you end up with Pickett and Willis or something, let's go. get <laughs> yeah, a feeling right. for who they're <laughs> really interested in. Um <laughs> But yeah, that should be fun. Like I said, we'll be recording at least twice a month between now and the draft, and we'll we'll try to give you a heads up. But we'll sort of be timing it around uh, Senior Bowl, and then the combines a month after that, and then free agency. And so there's all these benchmark dates on the calendar. But we'll uh, we'll be here at least twice a month on the podcast over the next couple months here, and uh, kind of go from there. I don't know. It should be a fun yeah off season. It'll be a lot going on. It'll probably be more than twice a month because we've just got like there's be a lot of draft stuff and everything else that pops up, I'm yeah. sure. But it's a big off season. Like I think that that's the, you know, it's a big one. And that's the, you know, Holmes did say, right? Like everything now is just going to be better than it was a year ago. And he said that and I was like, "Okay, it has to be. It doesn't need to, you know, like it it's, it has to be. It's not it's not an option. It's a requirement like for this to go forward. <laughs> right. It has right. to be an elite off season for the lot. They cannot have misses, errors, botches, whatever. It has to be great. Like I think that that's the final point. I would. And we've said this for weeks now, but that's the final point on the twenty twenty is closed or twenty twenty one is closed. You go to twenty twenty two. Like your off season last year had to be good and had you had to survive it. Now it has to be great, and you have to really get growth. I think out of this year in a way that you probably unrealistically couldn't achieve last year. Yeah, I mean, I also just looking at the uh, schedule for next year and like it's six, manageable. Seven, yeah. eight, at least eight of their games, including two each against Minnesota and Chicago, are going to be against new head coaches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like this is yeah, right. They could do some things next. I'm not again. I'm not predicting like ten and seven, but this 
could be a lot better next yep. year. Parody exists in the league for a reason. You just have to do it right. Right. It's supposed <laughs> to be there for you. It is supposed to be a real thing. So, uh, yeah, keep doing it right. Somebody, <laughs> hey, somebody asked that question earlier on Twitter. They were like, is there another team the Lions should like sort of model their offseason after? And I was like, this is going to sound corny, but they should copy what they did last year and ramp it up and just do it harder. Like, that's right. what they should do, right? I think that that's what you do. Keep your head down. And it's got to be your best stuff. And I think I think they understand that. I think they know it. Um, obviously, this is not. No one was back patting themselves yesterday. But, like, I think they're very excited right now because a lot of the yeah. work they've done this year, I think, is now about to start really ramping up. Yeah. Uh, and I think just my last thing here is I think it's going to be interesting, too, to sort of see. You know, we saw Holmes last year had to clean up Bob Quinn's mess. They didn't mm-hmm. really do that much aggressive. We know he can draft. Yep. And that they'll they'll probably run a pretty good draft, but what's he going to do with their you know look as it sets up right now they're at like thirty three million or something of, of projected mm-hmm. cap space. You start talking about restructuring Baitai and and cutting flowers and all these things like you could end up in the fifty million dollar range. Like what's he going to do here? What are you yeah. going to prioritize? Are you going to exactly. give anyone? Are you giving anyone that three and four year deal you didn't last year? I, I don't know. I think this is going to be um, yeah, kind of our more. first tell mm-hmm. for what Holmes does when he thinks they're a little closer to being where they need to go. Yep. Good point. Well said. So, uh, so yeah. So we'll get uh, back to you again before the Senior Bowl, uh, probably in a couple weeks here, just to set you up for that event and see what the Lions have done uh, if they fired an offensive coordinator by that <laughs> point or, or not. Uh, I would hope but, so uh, by then. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, again, uh, make sure you get over to theathletic.com. You can pick up a subscription, and we've got deals running. Uh, you can get us uh, one of these years ad-free on the app there or on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever else you listen to podcasts. And uh, thanks for sticking with us all season, especially as they were winless for 10 <laughs> weeks there. Uh, it, it was a fun close to the year, and we hope you enjoyed uh, the ride along the way here on the podcast. So for Nick, I'm Chris. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.